Welcome back. It is episode 12 of the Almost Shameless podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and I am super excited that this is episode 12 because this is my lucky number. Um, it's so funny because there's so many more episodes on this feed because obviously this is the same feed as the old Fox and Fallon podcast, which all those episodes are still up. Please go listen to them. They are still great. Courtney and I are going to be reuniting soon to be doing some other Fox and Fallon content. We're not sure exactly when or how, but that is something that is on our radar, radar, my former podcast partner and always, um, you know, sort of content uh, partner in general, Courtney Fallon is going to be launching her own podcast soon. And hopefully we will be doing some crossover stuff both on her podcast, Bad Signal with Courtney Fallon, and on this podcast here at Almost Shameless. So that will be really fun. And yeah, so I was thinking about that and reflecting on that as I was thinking that I'm now 12 episodes into the solo project here. In an unexpected turn of events, the Patriots played the Chiefs last night rather than Sunday. So it's a post-game day. It is a time to reflect and boy... Is there a lot to talk about? This entire podcast is going to be a reflection on not just the Patriots and the Chiefs and how the game went last night, but also how COVID and the process of dealing with COVID in the NFL has affected the landscape of the NFL, specifically in the AFC. Because after what we've seen this past week, we've really, it's, you know, the first three weeks, it seemed like the NFL was going to find a way to make it through the season without having COVID really affect things. And that has all been completely blown up after what we dealt with this week with the Titans and the Steelers game being postponed. And now with what happened last night with the Patriots, the the entire scope of, of the conference is really at stake here. So I want to get into that a little bit because what's going on might, it's hard to track and it's hard to follow. So I'm going to lay that out for you and really kind of break down the different ways that this could affect the rest of the season moving forward. And in the spirit of that, the end of this podcast, where I normally kind of do something silly or outrageous, I am going to pull my segment from a couple episodes ago where I inducted the very first member of my Trash Takes Hall of Fame because it is very apropos to what happened in last night's game for the Patriots. It's so perfect. I can't, I'm not going to reproduce it. There's no reason for me to try to say it again. I think it's just time for us to re-listen to that take and, you know, really soak it in and soak in the glory of just how bad it really was. I couldn't be more grateful that my original induction was so spot on. So, uh, yeah, this is just going to be a, a, a breakdown of the game and the league where it stands right now. And then I'll tack that on the back end for you guys. So let's get into it. That stuff coming up. I'm going to start as, as from the beginning as possible. On Friday night, they Patriots did their normal round of testing. And in that test overnight, it was confirmed that Cam Newton had tested positive for COVID-19. Now, 
The way this normally works is once someone tests positive, there are also lab tests that are done, usually processed within 24 hours to confirm that test. And so any positive result that you get is going to be double and triple checked. And that is the process that they went through Friday night into Saturday into Sunday to confirm that Cam Newton did actually have COVID-19 and to then start sort of contact tracing backwards to find out who was in the type of proximity to Cam Newton that would put them at risk for having contracted the virus from him and going from there. Well, what ended up happening was through those rounds of testing, they have failed to confirm anyone else. So there were no other positive tests. Thus, Cam Newton was really the only player ruled out from the game for COVID-19. But because that testing had to continue through Sunday in order to confirm any potential false negatives, to rule out any false negatives, or to wait for the virus to show up because sometimes what will happen is players will test negative and then soon after they'll test positive because the virus just didn't hadn't shown up yet. It kind of lays dormant a bit, is it the best way to put it? And so that's what happened with the Titans earlier last week. It went from them having about six players to nine players to 13 players and then two more after that. And, and not just players, there were also personnel involved as well. But people within the organization, these positives started to slowly come out even after they'd tested negative, you know, a day or two before. So it was important that the Patriots have time to test all of their players and personnel. And that's why the game was delayed from Sunday. Now, did the 24-hour difference, it, was it enough in terms of confirming 100% that none of these other players had contracted the virus? Probably not. And we don't really know that for sure. But we do know that because there was a large outbreak on the Titans, the Titans and Steelers game was rescheduled for week seven or week eight. I can't remember which one. And they were then forced to take their bye this week. So because there was a massive outbreak and a potential breach of COVID-19 protocols, the league said, we obviously can't have them play this game. There's, you know, we don't know what's happening here. So we're going to delay it completely. And now the team will have some time to get itself right before they have to play their next game. For the Patriots, it's an interesting situation. And I know some of my Patriots fans are going to, you know, their conspiracy theory, you know, hats are on already. They've got the tinfoil hats on. And I don't blame you because what happened is Cam Newton tested positive. And because no one else had tested positive over the course of the next day and a half, they pushed forward with the game. And they went against standard protocol and had the Patriots actually travel the day that they had to play. So they flew in from Boston on Monday afternoon, late Monday morning, early, you know, Monday afternoon to play a game at seven o'clock in Kansas City, which is highly unusual. They did take two team planes, which is something they've done before. They did it last year when there was a flu outbreak in the locker room. They traveled where all the people with the flu were kind of on one plane and the healthy people were on another. In this instance, they had 20 players and personnel who were exposed to Cam Newton directly on their own plane. And then other players and personnel on the other plane, the isolated plane was tested again when they landed with the rapid test and then they moved forward with the game. The interesting part is that because there wasn't a massive outbreak or at least a confirmed outbreak 
prior to the game, the NFL decided, all right, well, the Patriots are going to have to play without Cam Newton. They're going to have to push forward with this game. They're going to have to travel the day that they have to play and do all of this and play with their backup quarterback. Even though the Titans had actually been granted an early buy for having a worse outbreak. It's incredibly confusing. Here, it's like, I'm not really sure what the standard is or why there is such a difference. I understand that in this particular situation, they hadn't had a confirmed outbreak on the Patriots locker room, but they also don't know how Cam Newton got it and whether or not he got it in the course of playing football. And if he did play, get it in the course of playing football, then how is it fair to punish the Patriots and force them to play this game under such extreme circumstances, but not do that to the Titans who are suspected of breaking some pretty extreme protocols in the process of their much larger, much more detrimental outbreak. There is a double standard happening here, and I'm not even saying it's necessarily intentional on the league's part. I don't think someone was sitting back and saying, how do we fuck the Patriots over? But I do think that there is a misunderstanding of how this virus spreads and how to handle it. And when you don't have a set standard for how to delay games or how to reschedule games, this is the kind of stuff that happens. So now... We're sitting in a situation where, you know, you watch the game last night. The game was incredibly close for most of three, three quarters and into the fourth quarter before things started to open up for the Chiefs. It was by no means an excellent performance by the Chiefs at home in Kansas City. The Patriots defense was highly effective if, you know, certainly not perfect. There were a couple of dropped interceptions, which again, I have to wonder (laughs) If that's what the defense looked like on, you know, a few hours of rest before the game after flying into town, I can't imagine what they would have looked like if they'd actually had, you know, the time and the normal, a normal night's sleep to play on. But the Patriots defense played excellently and they just had nothing to, they had no way to compete offensively with Brian Hoyer and then Jarrett Stidham. It really hamstrung them. So here... They are. This is a 26 to 10 loss to the Chiefs on the road. The Patriots are now two and two. The Chiefs are four and zero, and the entire picture in the AFC has swung in a different direction, based almost entirely on their decision to force the Patriots to play without Cam Newton. Because let's be honest, if Cam Newton had played in that game, there is a very, very, very strong chance they win that game. They're biggest problem were massive mistakes at the quarterback position. Let's just take the three interceptions out of it. The one pick six, Brian Hoyer gave up at least six points just on his own by two massive fuck ups in the end, in the red zone that Cam Newton never would have made. So there are huge point swings here that sort of signal to us that had Cam Newton been in that spot, And had he been able to capitalize on an exceptional performance by the Patriots defense, they would have come out of that game three and one. And if they had come out of that game three and one, the Chiefs would have been three and one and the Patriots would have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs later on in the season. That's often the difference in seeding and, you know, in home field advantage. So all of a sudden they go from being potentially 3-1 and having a tiebreaker over the Chiefs to being 2-2, two games back from the Bills in the AFC East, and the Chiefs are 4-0 with the tiebreaker. And it's it's hard not to look at the fact that they had to play that game without their starting quarterback while the Titans were resting up in their homes this weekend 
and, you know, getting a chance to reevaluate and readjust and get themselves together so that they can play the Steelers later on this season. It's just insane to me. The, the, you know, this could be the week we look back on in week 16 or week 17 later on where we can see that the entire course of the AFC shifted. And there were two teams with COVID who were dealt with in two completely different ways. And this is kind of the nightmare scenario for the NFL, is that because there wasn't a bubble and because these standards weren't fully in place, the parity of the game and the fairness of the game has been put at, at in question. You know, listen, the Patriots lost their game. They're two and two. That's the hand they were dealt. They're going to have to figure out something moving forward. But realistically, this shouldn't have been a situation that they were in. And if they were going to be in it, which, okay, fine, then why aren't the Titans in the same spot? You know, why weren't they forced to just bring up a bunch of practice squad people, leave the personnel that they had infected at home and go and play that game in Pittsburgh? I mean, they had had a lot more time to figure out their testing and to figure out who was positive and who was negative a lot more time to figure out who was healthy in that organization than the Patriots had had. So I'm not sure what the process reasoning is there, what the process was that they used to come to the conclusion that the Patriots only needed an extra 26 hours to get their shit together when the Titans had had all week and sort of moving on from the COVID aspect of this, just looking at how the game played out from a Patriots perspective There is no question now, there can be no question that Cam Newton is the X factor for this team. He is the clear best quarterback on their roster. He is the clear best option for them and and has been since the day they signed him. And not that people were necessarily doubting that out loud, but there's been a lot of murmuring and and simmering, you know, sort of of the idea that maybe Jarrett Stidham could rise to the occasion at some point. Now, let's be honest. The Patriots did not want to play Jarrett Stidham yesterday. We know this. They started Brian Hoyer, who is certainly the is less physically talented than Jarrett Stidham, just purely based on his age, let alone on their on their, you know, college histories and what we do know about them. But they they played the Brian Hoyer because he was supposed to be the safest option. You play Brian Hoyer in that situation so that he, there are you're minimizing mistakes and you have a veteran presence on the field and hopefully you can turn that into some points enough to hang in there, enough to make a couple big plays. Maybe your defense makes a big play for you and you luck out with a win. Well, that went horribly awry because Brian Hoyer made a couple of mental mistakes that I can only describe as baffling. I, I was truly baffled. At his age and stage of his career, he has one job. The one job is you don't make mistakes like that to cost the team the game. You just don't cost the team the game. And he was well on his way to doing that before they finally yanked him. And they should have yanked him at halftime. And they still didn't do it because that's how little they trust Jarrett Stidham. So you can say all you want about how Jarrett Stidham looked in, you know, later in the game after they took Brian Hoyer out you know, his arm, his, the the speed of his ball, all that stuff. But that coaching staff did not want Jarrett Sidham in that game. And in the end, he had to play hero ball and he threw a pick and a pick six and got them nowhere. 
You know, like the Nikhil Harry touchdown was amazing. It was awesome to see that. Nikhil Harry is a first round draft pick wide receiver. And if it did, if he didn't prove that to you yesterday, pulling in that pass from Jarrett Stidham the way that he did, I don't know what to tell you. That that was all on Nikhil Harry. I did not see a lot from Jarrett that made me feel like he is an acceptable option you know, I mean, maybe you move him into the number two spot based purely on the fact that Brian Hoyer seems to have totally shit his pants. But again, you know, the Hoyer, neither Hoyer nor Stidham took snaps in practice as the starting quarterback this week because none of this was even started. The ball didn't even start rolling until Saturday. So, you know, if I'm giving Brian Hoyer any credit, it is to say that, like, he was forced to travel day of, go in, play against the best team in the AFC, on absolutely no practice, on very little rest. And, you know, it was a really tough situation and that showed. He just wasn't able to keep it together. So, I mean, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit there. And so if I'm going to do that, I'll extend it to Stidham as well. But in the end, you know, it has never been more clear that Cam Newton at 45% is better than the best that Hoyer and Stidham can offer. And everyone who is a Patriots fan should be praying that he is going to be back in week five because neither one of those quarterbacks is equipped to carry this team for much longer than a quarter at a time. Obviously, with practice and time to prepare and the knowledge that they have to play, things could be a little bit different. But neither of those guys' heads is going to be in an exceptionally great space, especially Hoyer. I think Stidham probably feels you know, a little bit better about how things went for him based purely on the fact that at least he got a touchdown pass. But boy, you know, that is not a couple of guys you want to go into a really important week five with. Like the last thing the Patriots want to do is end up at two and three with a loss to the Broncos who are starting their own random ass quarterbacks. You know, the Patriots have to win in week five to keep themselves in the division and to prepare, get themselves in a good space before they have to play the Bills later this season. So if nothing else, like I said, this has created at least a narrative that we can all agree on, which is that Cam Newton is the number one bona fide starter for the Patriots. And not just that, he is, you know, it's a good reminder to people that you can't just step in on this team and be excellent just because Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are your coach. You know, for 20 years, the Patriots fans had nothing to worry about with Tom Brady. He was always so fucking good, so reliable. For the last 10 years of his career in in New England, he was the GOAT. And then Cam Newton steps in and is really fucking good right away with no preseason. And I think it led people to think like, hey, anybody can step in and do this. When that's not the case at all. It's not that anybody can step in and do it. It's that the Patriots went out and got a former MVP, a multiple-time pro bowler, a former Super Bowl starting quarterback. They went out and got grade A quarterbacking, and this is not plug-and-play. This is not plug-and-play. No system in the NFL is completely plug-and-play. You have to have talent, real talent at that position to succeed. And that's what Cam Newton is. And the guys behind him, Hoyer is a great practice squad guy. He is great at getting that team ready for opposing quarterbacks. Good. Great. Stidham, who knows what his what his ceiling is. 
Who knows what he's capable of? He threw a beautiful ball yesterday, a beautiful ball right into the hands of the other team. So, you know, do I think that that's the best he can do? Of course not. I think he's a pretty good athlete. But Cam Newton is the real deal. Patriots fans got really lucky that the NFL and the rest of the teams in this league were stupid enough to let him go to Bill Belichick. And I hope that after last night's game, everybody who doubted him and doubted how important he is to this team is eating a little bit of crow. And in the spirit of eating crow and forcing people to take some really hard looks at their bad opinions, here is my segment from a few weeks ago inducting the first ever honoree at the Trash Take Hall of Fame, a truly legendarily bad take about Cam Newton and the Patriots that is only magnified by last night's game. I hope you enjoy. Shall we? Okay, welcome to the first edition of the Trash Takes Hall of Fame. For my inaugural Trash Takes Hall of Fame induction, I present to you one of the most stunningly bizarre Patriots takes I have heard in quite some time, courtesy of Bleacher Report's Adam Lefko on his podcast. Take a listen here to his thoughts on why the Patriots ran Cam Newton 15 times in the game on Sunday. To me, that was the Patriots further showing us that Cam is not their quarterback. No, they showed the us he wasn't sure. their quarterback by signing him to a one-year deal for $1 million. They're yep. showing us now that, hey, we're not worried about long-term. I said this when they signed him, that I still think Stidham could be the guy. But when you look at the Patriots' schedule these first few weeks, now they go to Seattle. In a few weeks, they go to Kansas City. What a better way to show one type of offense for the first six weeks and get everyone scheming, how do we stop this? And then you can switch it halfway through the year and and not even have to put Stidham in that position. Just in case you couldn't follow the insanity of that logic, because it actually took me a couple of very painful lessons to make sure I understood this right. He thinks that there's a chance the Patriots are just going to run Cam into the ground for the first six games and then totally change the offense and start Jarrett Stidham for the rest of the season. No, you did not hear that wrong. That is what he said. Now, there are a few layers to this. There's many, many layers to this, but I'm going to break down some of the more offensive things about this. Number one, NFL analysts have a history of doing this to black quarterbacks in the NFL, of deciding that their skill set is not worthy of a starting quarterback role and either saying that they should play another position or saying things like this that insinuate that the way they play the game is not a sustainable way long term. Why you would think that in 2020 after what we've seen from Lamar Jackson specifically, but also Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, and Colin Kaepernick, and Cam Newton, his motherfucking self. Why you would say that in 2020 is beyond me. Is it sustainable for him to run 15 times every game? No. If you've watched a single Patriots game in the last 20 years, why would you expect that they're going to do the same fucking thing week to week with no variation? 
That's just pure stupidity. So the only thing I can think of is that your brain can't conceive of the fact that a, a, a quarterback who plays like Cam Newton could actually continue to grow and change week to week. You can't conceive of the fact that his 79% completion percentage on 19 passes is actually pretty fucking impressive, and you haven't paid attention to the fact that he's becoming been becoming a better, more consistent, more accurate passer across his career culminating in a pretty impressive stretch in 2018, which I detailed on Twitter earlier this offseason. You can't possibly imagine a world in which the Patriots could use Cam Newton in various different ways, the way that all these other teams have with their quarterbacks. That is unacceptable to me. It's insulting. It's embarrassing. And I've spent years listening to people explain to me why Kirk Cousins should continue to get a pass year after year being up and down and roller coaster and back and forth and who knows when he's going to be good and when he's not and what like no one's ever suggested that somebody should just run him into the ground and bench him after six games they might suggest he's not a starting quarterback but that's a, a, a whole totally different topic secondly we have not seen a single thing from Jarrett Stidham that would indicate that he is even of the caliber of quarterback that should be carrying Cam's bags out of the fucking locker room, let alone be taking over the starting job as some, like, mid-season trickaroo from Josh McDaniels. For all I know, Jarrett Stidham's a pretty good quarterback. You know, we really have no idea. But you're talking about a former NFL MVP. You're talking about somebody who won Rookie of the Year. You're talking about somebody who's been an Offensive Player of the Year. You're talking about a three-time Pro Bowler. You're talking about the greatest red zone rusher at quarterback in the history of the NFL. You're talking about a guy who won national championships in college, who won the Heisman in college, who has achieved at every single level of this game. And you think that the Patriots would ignore the fact that he's the best quarterback in their division and bench him so that they can do Whatever they think they can do with Jarrett Stidham that they can't do with Cam Newton. Let me let you know this right now. There is nothing that you could possibly want to do on an offense that you'd rather have Jarrett Stidham for than Cam Newton. There's nothing you could possibly want to do on an NFL field to win games where your better option is Jarrett Stidham unless it's a trick play, unless they use him like Taysom Hill. Other than that, the best quarterback on your roster, the best quarterback in the AFC East is Cam Newton. Don't get it twisted. It's insulting, and it's the reason that people like Cam end up feeling like they have to justify absolutely everything they fucking do. So, welcome to the Trash Takes Hall of Fame, Adam. I hope that you feel as honored as I feel to induct you. And there you have it, folks. Sometimes I even surprise myself with how spot on I am even before I know things are about to happen. Honestly, you would have to pay for this kind of analysis and this kind of content most places, and I give it to you for free. It is my absolute pleasure. Um, honestly, that's just it's just funny how, how perfectly that ended up working out. But moving forward, I know this season is going to have plenty of other trash takes, and I cannot wait to make my second induction whenever the time is right. It may be next week. It may not be until, you know, later in the season. Who knows? But for now, it's really holding things down. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm so happy that you joined me this week. 
It's been another crazy week of life and times in 2020. So I hope you are doing well, that you are happy, that you are healthy, that you are preparing for a wonderful autumn with friends and family and and staying close. And don't forget to make sure that you're registered to vote and that you're ready to send in that ballot, whether it is through the mail or going to the ballot box on the day of. Just make sure you know where you're supposed to be. And in the meantime, I will be doing my thing. Check out my videos and the content that I'm putting out on Twitter and Instagram as well. And we will be in touch. Thank you so much again, guys. I will talk to you soon. Bye.